Well, yesterday was a very important day in the 2024 race. So Joe Biden is still really ailing. According to the Washington Post, Joe Biden is currently holding private meetings at the White House to reassure his supporters because his poll numbers look so bad. Says the Washington Post, quote, President Biden has been holding private lunches at the White House with top donors and other supporters as part of an effort to reassure them about his reelection campaign, including concerns about his age and his energy. According to three people familiar with those meetings, he's held a half dozen meetings in groups ranging from four to eight people since he launched his campaign in April. But a bunch happened right before the holidays. There are a lot of people who are very much worried about Joe Biden's reelect efforts. A lot of these meetings are being organized by Jeffrey Katzenberg, movie mogul, again, Hollywood and the Democratic Party, one and the same. The meetings, of course, are coming because a lot of people are worried that Joe Biden is going to lose. That includes Barack Obama. That includes Michelle Obama. That includes pretty much everyone. And you know things are going poorly when even Jimmy Kimmel is mocking you. So there was a hands-off policy with regard to Barack Obama in the comedy world for literally years. You could not make jokes about Barack Obama because he was the holy one, blessed be he. But when it comes to actually Joe Biden, even Democrats are looking at Joe Biden and realizing this is a, a man with encroaching senility problems, a person not in control of his own administration. When Jimmy Kimmel is making fun of you in a reelect year, that's a problem. If you're a Democrat, here was Jimmy Kimmel doing just that last night. Age is definitely an issue for Joe Biden. He is in desperate need of support from young voters. And Grand POTUS is now <laughs> pulling out all the bells and whistles to try to win them back. My fellow Americans, we're facing an inflection point in history. Now more than ever, we need young hustlers like you. I mean it, fam. No cap. I'm God. I'm being dead ass here, man. Death. Another Trump presidency won't slap. I know he has Riz, but he's given dictator. He's fascism coded. I get it. You think I'm mid or cringe? Democracy is a baddie. And America is mother. I'm Joe Biden, and I have no idea what the hell I just said. Right, the disconnect between Biden and his own people is extraordinary right now. And Democrats know this, which is why, again, even in the fake ad, it's all about Trump. And well, Chris Matthews, back from exile, used to be on hardball on MSNBC. He's back on MSNBC. It's an election year. Well, that a bit I'll rump him. Looking like he comes to the show. He's explaining why Donald Trump can't be president of the United States. The only thing you can say if you're a Democrat at this point is Chris Matthews, go. Important you know, point. I think it's really important that the, the, the conservatives out there, when you defend Donald Trump, you're defending what happened on January 6th. You're defending why he sat there in that little office next to his Oval Office. He sat there doing nothing, according to Cassidy Hutchinson and the rest. Yeah. They're all talking now, and there are more are going to talk in court. Here's a guy who did nothing. It's all January 6th. It's all Trump. The entire Democratic campaign relies on Trump. And so we have this sort of weird situation in which if the Democrats swapped out Joe Biden for anyone else, they would be in much better shape. Meanwhile, if the Republicans, by polling data, swapped out Donald Trump for anyone else, they too would be in much better polling shape. That is the weird irony of the situation in which we find ourselves. Both parties are fully convinced that there is no way they can lose to that guy. Democrats are like, there is no way we can lose to Donald Trump. So let's run the old guy. After all, he's non-controversial. He's not going to rip open all of the intersectional gaps in our party. And meanwhile, Republicans are like, there's no way we can lose to that guy. So we may as well have the guy who makes us feel really good in Donald Trump. On the right side of the aisle, the big question is, is there anyone who's ready to replace Donald Trump on the ticket? Now, by polling data, the answer is clearly no. 
mean, if you look at the national polling data in the national primaries right now, which again, those are not dispositive. At one point, Rudy Giuliani was the big clubhouse leader in 2008, like fairly close to the actual primaries. But we are now less than one week away from the Iowa caucuses. And in the national polling average, Donald Trump has a 50 point lead on the rest of the field. In Iowa, the polling suggests that Trump also has a massive lead. Every single poll has Trump up by at least 30 points in Iowa. That is a very, very large gap. New Hampshire, a little bit different. New Hampshire, you're starting to see Trump lose some momentum in New Hampshire. He still has a lead, but that lead is not much more than the combined force of, say, Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. Nikki Haley is running a somewhat close second. I say somewhat close because most polls have her somewhere between 10 and 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire. But all those polls also have Chris Christie in the race. And Chris Christie is drawing a consistent 12% in the New Hampshire polling. So you could certainly see a situation in which Donald Trump wins Iowa. Say Nikki Haley comes in second in Iowa. She gets a boost going into New Hampshire. She wins New Hampshire. And now basically the race comes down to South Carolina. In order for that to happen, though, Chris Christie would have to drop out of the race. Well, last night, Chris Christie did drop out of the race. He suspended his campaign. He announced he was suspending his campaign, which, again, credit to Chris Christie. I was under the assumption he wouldn't because there is no bigger egomaniac in American politics than Chris Christie, who continues to run for president despite the fact he's not been popular for a full decade. But here was Chris Christie last night dropping out of the race, suspending his campaign. We run campaigns to win. My goal has never been to be just a voice against the hate and the division and the selfishness of what our party has become under Donald Trump. It's also been to win the nomination and defeat Joe Biden and restore our party and our country to a new place of hope and optimism in this country. I've always said that if there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal, that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. Okay, so that is the right move because that allows the field to consolidate in New Hampshire. Now, what would have allowed it to consolidate more in New Hampshire, obviously, is if Christie had done what everybody expected and just endorsed Nikki Haley. But Christie's still too much of an egomaniac for that. So he got caught on a hot mic at the same event, ripping the only other people who could stop Donald Trump. So he says that like his top priority is stopping Donald Trump, does Chris Christie. And then he gets caught on a hot mic, ripping the only other two people in the race with any credible shot of stopping Donald Trump. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis. And we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Okay, that, of course, led Donald Trump to go online and talk about how much he actually likes Chris Christie. Quote, I hear Chris Christie is dropping out of the race today. I might even get to like him again. (laughs) Anyway, he was just caught on a hot mic, making a very truthful statement. She's going to get smoked. You and I both know it. She's not up to this. So, of course, Trump immediately jumping on the person to whom most of Chris Christie's support is presumably going to go. But the field is, in fact, consolidating. And that led to a debate last night between DeSantis and Nikki Haley. We'll get to more on that in just one second. First, if you're looking to save money this year, but you actually don't want to sacrifice, you know, quality of life, 
Pure Talk has your back. Instead of paying your current cell phone provider 60, 70, 80 bucks a line, Pure Talk has unlimited plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. You'll get that same phenomenal coverage you're used to on America's most dependable 5G network for just 20 bucks a month. That's how the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. Switch on over to a wireless company that shares your values, a company that is veteran-owned, that serves veterans, that isn't afraid to invest in shows like this one. What are you waiting for? Switch to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes and start saving today. Their U.S. customer service team is waiting to serve you. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. The coverage is excellent. And again, they're a company that actually likes me and my values. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Right now, you'll save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Get connected right now. Again, puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Start off the year saving on wireless with a company you can be proud of because they actually like you. Go check them out right now at puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Now, again, the dynamics of the race are very weird. Because Nikki Haley actually needs DeSantis to stay in the race. That's what's strange about this dynamic. There's this wild theory that somehow, if the field consolidates down to Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump, that makes Nikki Haley more competitive. That's actually not right, because that's assuming that DeSantis' support flows to Nikki Haley rather than to Trump. That's incorrect. The large majority of Ron DeSantis' support will flow to Donald Trump because they think that Trump is harder-nosed than Nikki Haley. They see Nikki Haley as fairly squishy. Now, the problem with the big debate last night between DeSantis and Haley is, of course, they're knocking each other. They're, they're bumper carring each other. DeSantis does need Haley to drop out, but Haley does not need DeSantis to drop out. She needs DeSantis to stay in. And so meanwhile, it, it's sort of a lobster pot over there, a crab pot. They're, they're sort of pulling each other down into the pot. And that's what happened in the debate last night. So DeSantis did actually levy some attacks against Donald Trump. Haley really didn't. Most of her attacks were against DeSantis, which again is strategically weird because if Haley's entire appeal is that she is more politic, more polished and all of the rest, then I'm not sure why knocking DeSantis is going to get her anywhere. And again, if DeSantis were to drop out, say, after Iowa, that actually hurts Nikki Haley pretty badly. She needs him there to soak up 10, 12, 15 percent of the vote in various states going forward. So here's Ron DeSantis going after Donald Trump over the Constitution. Now, again, let's just be clear about this. If the primaries were held today, I would vote for Ron DeSantis. I would vote for him. He's the best Florida governor. He is the best governor in America. He is the most consistently conservative person in the race. He is an incredibly competent executive. He knows how to actually run the levers of power and make sure things happen, not just blow V8. I would vote for him in a primary. He is way behind, and so is Nikki Haley. They're both way behind. So while they were busy mashing each other on CNN, Donald Trump was over on Fox News with Brett Baer sipping a Diet Coke and enjoying his life. Anyway, here was Ron DeSantis going after Trump over the Constitution. And it's interesting. The oath doesn't say that you're going to defend the shores of the United States uh, or, or engage in, in military conflict. The oath simply says that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. As president of the United States, you will preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. You can't just terminate the Constitution. I mean, I know he does, you know, word vomit from time to time on social media, but obviously I will uphold the Constitution. That, of course, is exactly true. And then DeSantis turned to Haley, and he pointed out the big rap on Haley, which is that she's too squishy on a lot of issues. And there are a lot of Republicans who feel that Nikki Haley is too squishy on a lot of issues, that she sort of blows with the wind on a variety of issues. So, for example, he says, I didn't see you out there fighting the school lockdowns. Now, to be somewhat fair to Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley wasn't in a position of political power in 2020. She'd already left the Trump administration. She was UN ambassador under Trump. She wouldn't have had a lot to say about that anyway. With that said, he is right that the person who led the battle to reopen schools was him. 
you know, uh, Governor Haley mentioned, I think correctly, the devastating mental health consequences for these school closures, a lot of things that happened during COVID. I never recalled seeing her out there fighting the fight. I was on the front lines on that. Okay, again, he happens to be right about this. He also pointed out that Nikki Haley still has not ruled out running as Donald Trump's VP. So if you're really running for president, then why are you running for VP is the case that DeSantis was making to the anchors. She won't answer the question about whether she would accept the VP nod. Uh, and she gives all these, the you know, mealy mouth response. What's wrong with just saying, no, I would not under any circumstances say that. And I think the fact that she has not done that is part of the reason Chris had been staying in. And I think that's part of the reason I think he's had those choice words. Do you think she would agree to be vice president? I do. Under I mean, Trump. I do. Because I think, why would you not just say, I would not? I've said I would not. Why not just say that? She will not give a yes or no answer to that, because if she says yes, she loses support from the people that don't like Trump. Uh, if she says no, then that forecloses potentially her ability and to be on you, the ticket. We'll get to more on that in just one second. First, you know, I've been talking about my Helix mattress for years. I've had that Helix mattress for I don't know, almost a decade at this point. Basically, it's the only thing that keeps me alive because I need my sleep and Helix makes me sleep. It's that simple. Helix is the gift that keeps on giving every night when I climb into bed. I'm reminded how awesome Helix is because I took their sleep quiz and that sleep quiz matched me to a mattress that actually matches me. Helix is now introducing their newest, most high-end collection, Helix Elite. Helix Elite harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. That Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Head on over to helixsleep.com Ben. Check out the new collection today. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, well, you don't have to be because Helix, again, has that sleep quiz and it will match your body type and sleep preferences to that perfect mattress. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? Go check them out right now. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. You'll find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. The mattress comes directly to your door ship for free. Plus, Helix has that 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but indeed you will. Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for our listeners right now. Start the year off right. Check them out at helixsleep.com slash Ben. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. Okay. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley was going after DeSantis, but not really on a good basis. So she kept saying over and over that people should visit DeSantisLies.com. It was very annoying. She said it maybe a dozen times in the first hour of the debate to the point where it just became a meme Many of her attacks were either sort of bad spirited or just false. So number one, bad spirited. She accuses DeSantis of spending an awful lot of money on the campaign and not doing very well. I mean, that's true. Also, it's sort of irrelevant. Like, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? Like, if he had spent a lot of money on the campaign and he had been doing amazing in the polls, would she not be attacking him? It's a strange line of attack here. Don't go and lie to the American people to make them think we can't do this. You turn around and raise the debt limit. You're the one that's talked about, look at what you did to Florida. But think about the fact that he's talking about where's this money going to come from. You, the best way to tell about a candidate is to see how they've run a, their campaign. He has blown through $150 million. I don't even know how you do that. Through his campaign, he has nothing to show for it. He spent more money on private planes than he has on commercials trying to get Iowans to vote for him. If you can't manage a campaign, how are you going to manage a country? Okay, that, that, that is an incredibly stupid argument. I'm just going to put that out there. It's a dumb argument. Donald Trump ran the most lackluster, ridiculous campaign in 2016, and then he won. I mean, tru truly, he spent almost no money. He did almost no on-the-ground work, and then he won. So that's really... Not correct. Also, DeSantis has spent an awful lot of time on the ground in Iowa, more than Nikki Haley has. 
For example, Haley then bashed DeSantis over Israel. Again, this is this is just a wrong attack. The, the notion that Ron DeSantis is in any way weak on Israel is an absurdity. DeSantis is by far the most pro-Israel governor in America. By far, it is not close. But here is Haley going after him on this. But it's really rich that Ron is going to act like he suddenly cares for Israel when he brought the person to Iowa that's the most anti-Israel Republican in the state. The person that went and voted against Israel's right to exist in Congress. The person that voted with the squad against anti-Semitism on college campuses. Thank you, Governor. And you brought that person you, to, to Iowa to go and, and campaign with Go- you. Governor, if that's your friend, Governor I'd DeSantis, hate to see you she's obviously referring are. to Congressman Tom Massey from Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's just cheap, cheap garbage. But here's the thing. When, when, that, when, the, when the attacks happened against Israel, I knew it was going to be a big deal for Florida. We have one of the largest Israeli-American populations in the country, and we've been a, a haven for Orthodox Jews in particular since I've been governor. And you know what? Biden wasn't helping Americans get out of the war zone. These are people that were stranded. So I did an executive order. We scrambled planes, and we rescued over 700 Americans from Israel and brought them back safely to the state of Florida. You got to step up and you got to lead when things like this are happening. Again, that, that is a win for DeSantis. Now, does anyone really win coming out of this particular debate? The answer is no. Trump wasn't on the stage. Trump was busily over on Fox News answering questions from Bet Bear. And what's, what's been clear here is that Trump is actually pivoting to the general election at this point. Trump is no longer fighting in the primaries. Now, that doesn't mean that he can stop himself from getting snippy with the other candidates. He, he just tells lies about DeSantis. He does. He, he tells lies about his opponents on a regular basis. That, that is something that Donald Trump does. And to be frank, that is part of the charm that a lot of Trump supporters feel about Trump because they are so cynical about politics, Trump supporters, for a lot of good reasons that they believe that so long as the person they are backing is willing to throw everything up to and including rubber hammers, kitchen sinks, chainsaws, alligators at an opponent, doesn't matter if it's justified or unjustified. They want the person who is simply unpredictable, willing to do anything. And that's what they see in Trump. So the rest of the field is like, well, that attack is untrue and truth is a standard. But a lot of Trump supporters like truth is not the standard. Winning is the standard. And if winning takes being mean and saying things that are not true, well, I guess that I'm happy that Trump is doing that sort of stuff. That's the actual logic that applies as part of this campaign. So, for example, Donald Trump yesterday suggested that Ron DeSantis shut down the state of Florida. This, of course, is not true. Okay, this is just a joke. Everyone knows that Ron DeSantis, after the very early weeks of the pandemic, worked extremely hard to open up the state of Florida. Meanwhile, he and Brian Kemp and many other governors were being chided by Donald Trump, who was then president of the United States, for reopening too soon. So Trump is just rewriting history here. It's not true, and it's morally bad to lie, okay? It is morally bad to lie, but is that going to hurt him politically in any way? Hasn't so far. I own a small business, and time is money. Would you ever allow a shutdown in the future? A shutdown in terms of COVID? Mm Mm-hmm. Or a shutdown in terms of budget? Because, you know, they're talking about a budget shutdown right now, but you're talking about a COVID shutdown. Correct. No, I wouldn't. And I never did. I let the governors make their decisions. And some of them, like from South Carolina, you know, Henry McMaster and, uh, frankly, uh, North Dakota, a few of them, Tennessee, they didn't shut down at all. Florida did shut down. Ron DeSanctis shut down. Or, as he's known, Ron DeSanctimonious. He... (laughs) He shut his state down very violently, actually, and shut the highways down, the roads down. But we had uh, I'm a federalist in a sense, because that's the federalist way. No, I didn't actually have a shutdown, despite the fact that some people wanted to and some people didn't want to. But we had some great governors. The governors that did the best job were Republican governors, and they were the ones that didn't shut down. 
Okay, by the way, he was ripping many of those Republican governors at the time. He sort of sideswipes at DeSantis, obviously. Poorly motivated. He still thinks that DeSantis could do him some damage in Iowa. But is he deeply worried about either DeSantis or Haley at this point? I mean, by the polling numbers, the answer is, is no. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and get into the comfortable loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John because as I slip into something more comfortable, my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, it's stylish enough to wear for a quick stroll to the park with my kids. And you won't look like you just rolled out of bed, even if you may have done just that. Tommy John uses luxuriously soft tri-blend fabrics with flexible four-way stretch. Plus, their fabric is non-pilling, meaning it doesn't leave behind lint balls or fuzz. And guys, you might be wondering how they can get any better. Good news. Their underwear, amazing. I mean, I've been using them for years, literally throughout all my other pairs of underwear. Incredibly durable. Their fabric moves with you. It's just great stuff. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So shop at Tommy John. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Save 20% for a limited time at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Okay, so he's on with, with Brett Baer last night. And again, Donald Trump has shifted to the general election. He's already talking general election talk. So it was kind of fascinating to watch him work because, again, this campaign is very likely at this point, statistically speaking, to come down to Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So Donald Trump was asked by Brett Baer about political violence. Donald Trump had suggested that if, for example, he ends up being jailed after being prosecuted, that that will lead to political violence, to, to bedlam is the word that he used. Brett Baer asks him about that and Trump cleans it up. Can you say tonight that political violence is never acceptable? Well, of course, that's right. And of course, I'm the one that had very little of it. Take a look at wars again. I didn't start. I wasn't involved in wars. We beat the hell out of ISIS. We won 100 percent. We brought our troops back home. Look at look at the violence that we've had. Look at the violence we have recently. Right, but when you say bedlam, what do you mean? I think you, you say- have bedlam. I think you look at Joe Biden. It's bedlam. You have a man who can't lead. You have a man who can't find his way off a stage after he makes a speech that lasts for about two minutes. Now, I think Bedlam is Joe Biden. I think that he's using this. This is just a political ploy. Trump is a dictator. He wants to be a dictator. Okay, again, Trump doing cleanup for the general. And honestly, not a bad answer. Meanwhile, Trump was also asked about being a dictator and, um, he had an answer for that one, too. He says, like, this is silly. I did a show, Sean Hannity. Did you ever hear of him? He's a very nice man. <laughs> and he said, essentially, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? Tell me. I think he was trying to give me a nicer question that maybe you guys would. He meant it very well. I said, I'm going to be a dictator for one day. We're going to do two things. The border, we're going to make it so tight you can't get in unless you come in legally. And the other is energy. We're going to drill, baby, drill. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. Okay, so what he's saying there, he's using the dictator language and he's flipping the dictator language into, I'm going to do some executive orders, which, by the way, is not being a dictator. And of course, the media ran with that and Joe Biden ran with that. Do most people think that Donald Trump is going to be like a Hitlerian, Mussolini-esque dictator in the United States? Very hard to see how that line plays for Joe Biden. Donald Trump was also asked about these stories, these late-breaking stories that have been put out by the left-wing press about how a lot of foreign dignitaries stayed at Trump hotels. And they were considering this a form of, of indirect bribery. Here was Trump answering that question. 
documents that say that nearly $8 million in payments to your businesses from foreign governments, China included, Saudi Arabia, while you were in office. They say Article 1 of the Constitution says you can't accept money from foreign governments while president. Would you pledge to divest from your business in a second term as other presidents have done? So that's what, I, they're, that's what no, they're reporting. I own hotels all over the I don't get free money. Somebody rents a hotel room, et cetera, et cetera. Much money I gave back. In fact, I didn't have to do it. You know, George Washington was a very rich man. People don't know that. In his essentially White House, which wasn't built, but they had an office, he had a business desk and he had a country desk right next to each other. You're allowed to do that. I didn't do it. I put everything in trust. And if I have a hotel and somebody comes in from China, that's a small amount of money. And it sounds like a lot of money. That's a small... But I was doing services for that. People were staying in these massive hotels, these beautiful hotels, because I have the best hotels. I have the best clubs. I have the best clubs. I have, the, I have great stuff. And they stay there and they pay. I don't get $8 million for doing nothing like Hunter. I don't get, get $500,000. I don't get $500,000 for doing a painting. It's not a bad idea, I guess, if you can get away with it. <laughs> And this is where Biden is going to be vulnerable. He's going to be vulnerable. Like all these attacks on Trump, I don't think that they are going to hunt. Meanwhile, in terms of the actual policy, Trump, as I say, he's pivoted toward the general. So on abortion, he understands that the abortion issue has not been a winner for Republicans on the federal level. The abortion issue, I mean, listen, I'm as pro-life as it gets. The reality is that by polling data, the American people, broad writ, and again, it's a state-by-state issue now, thanks to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is correct and good. In certain states, like the state of Florida, you're getting a heartbeat bill. In certain states, like New York, you're going to get abortion until you're 83 years old. And that's just the way that it is going to work in the United States under Roe versus Wade. To my great consternation, I wish it weren't the case. I think that every life deserves protection. Trump is asked about this. He understands innately that if he says anything that is too pro-life, it's going to be used against him in a presidential election. And because he's so popular with the Republican base, he understands he can get away with saying things that are not fully pro-life. A primary is usually where you're able to push the candidate to the right. Trump, because he's so far out in front, has the ability to not be pushed to the right on issues where he doesn't want to be pushed to the right. Again, to my consternation as a pro-lifer, but that is the politics of the situation. Here's Trump playing those politics. I'd like for you to reassure me that you can protect all life, every person's right to life without compromise. So that's a great question. I appreciate it, too. You wouldn't be asking that question, even talking about the issue, because for 54 years they were trying to get Roe v. Wade terminated, and I did it, and I'm proud to have done it. They wanted to get it back, right? You wouldn't be have that. There would be no question. Nobody else was going to get that done but me. And we did it, and we did something that was a miracle. When I walked onto the stage today, a gentleman in the back, probably works for Fox, nice guy, said, sir, I'd like to thank you. I said, for what? He said, you saved two million lives in the last three years. You saved two million lives. And I said, thank you very much. I knew exactly what he meant. Two million lives. And nobody's done more in that regard than me. Now, I happen to be, uh, for the exceptions, uh, like Ronald Reagan, with the life of the mother, uh, rape, incest. I I just have to be there, uh, I feel. I think probably 78% or so, Paul, about 78%. It was Ronald Reagan. He was for it. I was for it. Okay, then he turned and he swiveled and he hit DeSantis for being too pro-life. Again, this is Trump positioning himself for the general and trying to take the abortion issue off the table. Not my cup of tea. It isn't stupid politics. That is true. Also, again, the, the, the 
good thing that Trump has going for him in having consolidated so much of the Republican base at this point is the fact that politically speaking, he can already moderate. Early on, he can moderate. And Joe Biden is abandoning the moderates in his own party. Joe Biden has swiveled all the way to his left, and he's opening up this giant space in the center of American politics for Trump to simply walk into, which is kind of amazing. That's particularly true on the immigration issue. So again, Trump's record on immigration is much better than Joe Biden's because Joe Biden has the worst record on illegal immigration in American history. I mean, Trump's record is perfect. It certainly is not. The first couple of years of his administration, for example, Donald Trump did not actually have remain in Mexico policy, for example. The first couple of years of his administration, he had not given ICE the ability to do serious levels of deportation. He's now pledging there will be mass deportations. Again, do I think that's actually going to happen under Donald Trump? I have serious doubts, but that is the pledge he's making. Uh, what's your question for the former president? You've said that you can take care of the border in 24 hours after yep. taking office. How will you gather the several millions that have already entered our country illegally and return them to their country of origin? Great question. It's not sustainable for our country. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable. Did you see in New York City with it getting the regular students out and they're putting migrants in their place? We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. Okay, do I think he's actually going to do that? Probably not, but it's definitely a good talking point against Joe Biden. By the way, how many illegal immigrants are actually in the United States right now? Uh, According to Yale and MIT, there's a study from Yale and MIT back in 2018, which is well before any of this. It's now 2024. Then they said there were 22 million illegal immigrants in the United States. If there were 22 million in 2018, over the subsequent six years, you would imagine that you're talking another five, six, seven million illegal immigrants. You're talking about close to 30 million illegal immigrants in the country at this point. All of that is a weakness of Joe Biden's. There are a lot of drags on Joe Biden. One of the big drags on Joe Biden is, again, that when it comes to many of the personal qualities that Joe Biden is attacking in Donald Trump, he holds many of those same personal qualities from the overuse of executive orders to his accusations that Donald Trump is corrupt. But the reality is that a lot of people in the United States perceive Joe Biden as corrupt because the Biden family has used Joe Biden's name to traffic for literally 30 years in dirty money. So yesterday, that all broke into the open. Now, again, I think what's going on in Congress right now, I think Congress is a clown show. I think our legislative branch has become an absolute clown show that gets almost nothing done. What they do get done is generally bad. There are a bunch of reasons for that. There's an excellent book out called Why Congress. And that that book sort of explains the transition of Congress from a place where deals got done behind closed doors to a place where no deals got done at all. And instead, what you end up with is a lot of posturing. That posturing broke out yesterday on the Hill. I know there are a lot of Republicans who are very excited about people yelling at Hunter Biden. I know there are a lot of Democrats who are very excited about Hunter Biden showing up on Capitol Hill. Can I just point out that we have a country that has serious crises to face, and this is all a waste of time and garbage? Not the focus in on Hunter Biden and his relationship with Joe, but all these kind of fireworks where people then send off fundraising emails. Let's just acknowledge that our legislative branch is filled with people who do not want to legislate, have no interest in getting anything done, and are there to eventually get a podcast or some sort of cable news show. That's what's happening on Capitol Hill right now. Like there's serious things that should be happening, say negotiation over the budget for this year. But nobody's paying attention to that. Instead, they're paying attention to the stupidity of Hunter Biden showing up on Capitol Hill as the House GOP was voting for contempt charges. So yesterday, two House committees, according to the New York Times, voted along party lines to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress because he refused to testify behind closed doors. 
There's a 23 to 14 vote by the Judiciary Committee and a 25 to 21 vote by the Oversight Committee. Hunter Biden showed up there to make the point that he wanted to testify in open committee, not behind closed doors. And uh, here's what it looked like when Hunter decided to show up unannounced. I mean, it was it was one of the most shocking things since he was snorting coke off a hooker's ass. We see Hunter Biden appearing at the Capitol, just walking through the door. It looks like he's surrounded with his Secret Service team there and, and other members of his entourage. But he is officially at the Capitol as these hearings get underway. We're looking at live images right now as he goes through, it appears, the, the medical, the metal detector or nearby the metal detectors. Uh, and yep. we presumably expect him to enter at least one of these committee rooms, because again, this is before the oversight committee, also action happening in the judiciary committee. We're just going to follow these cameras and Hunter Biden and see where he's going to head, what's going to happen next. Again, he wasn't expected to show up for these hearings from the sense of he wasn't called by the people holding now, these There are hearings. two stories here. One is, is this good for Joe Biden? One is, is this good for Joe Biden? The answer is no. Anytime we're talking about Hunter, it's bad for Joe. That's just the reality. And then there is question number two. What does any of this mean? And what it really means is that Congress is a complete sideshow at this point. Again, serious things are happening in the country. In just one second, I want to get to how much of a sideshow Congress is. They're a waste of space. They're a waste of time. That is not an excuse for executive orders, by the way. That is to say that Congress should be clawing back its own authority from the executive branch and, you know, be doing things from time to time. But they're not focused on the things that matter. Instead, they are focused on the camera time. We'll get to more on that in a second. First, The Daily Wire is on the lookout for a dynamic individual to join our team as a talent and brand development executive. As the driving force behind our personalities, management, and expansion, you will be at the forefront of shaping the strategic direction of our talent's brands. From overseeing day-to-day -day operations to crafting innovative strategies for brand expansion, this role is pivotal in maximizing our brand's business and revenue goals. Don't miss out on this awesome opportunity to do brilliant work that matters every single day. Join us in shaping the future of conservative media as our talent and brand development executive. If you're interested in joining our team, visit dailywire.com slash careers. That's dailywire.com slash careers today. Okay, meanwhile, hey, so Hunter Biden shows up on the Hill. The goal of him showing up on the Hill is to try to demonstrate that Republicans will not allow him to testify openly. They want him to testify behind closed doors. Originally, the committee had said he could pick to testify behind closed doors or openly. And then they said, we want him to do both. We want him to testify behind closed doors in order to testify openly. Now, realistically, you really want people to testify behind closed doors because otherwise you end up with the grandstanding. So we got the worst of both worlds, no testimony and grandstanding yesterday. We got it from both sides of the aisle. So Nancy Mace, who when she's not wearing a scarlet A for some odd reason to Congress, is a grandstanding on other topics. Like she's one of the people who voted Kevin McCarthy out so that we could have Mike Johnson. I like Mike Johnson, but he's about to pass a budget bill that's significantly worse than anything that McCarthy was going to pass last year. Nancy Mace spent her time ripping Hunter Biden yesterday. Again, this is the kind of stuff that gets sent out in fundraising emails and achieves absolutely nothing. Um, first of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of mm. white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here. And Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, I think that, uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation 
is founded on the rule of come law. Come on, come on. And the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no oh, matter oh. what your last point of order, Mr. Chairman. Hey, first of all, Republicans should stop accusing people of being beneficiaries of white privilege as just a general rule, because the real privilege that Hunter Biden has is not that he is white. It's that he's Joe Biden's son. All you end up doing when you say the white privilege stuff is opening the door to dolts like AOC. Again, the, the amount of grandstanding is just insane. Here's AOC now grandstanding on the white privilege point. Here we go. Quickly, that that moment about uh, privilege and, and all of this that we're seeing here. Uh, it was a very beautiful speech uh, by the gentlelady um, who, as she mentioned, was uh, helped lead on the majority, the now majority side, uh, the Civil Rights and Civil Liberties Subcommittee. But I think it's so exemplary of the point that she also oversaw the elimination of the Civil Rights Subcommittee on this committee, which really kind of gives the whole game away. We show up, we give speeches, we give flowery words, but at the end of the day, participate in the structural erosion of the rights and representation of people uh, that that are marginalized, women, people of color, people that just need to see their due process and civil liberties protected in this country. Oh, Congress. Oh, Congress. How's it possible that Congress gets worse with each and every passing year? Then Hunter Biden stormed out of the room as MTG. Marjorie Taylor Greene was yelling at him. This is all great for our public, by the way. This is all just wonderful. I'm so glad that we can do all this on camera and everybody can get their minute of FaceTime. It's just, it's great. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Excuse me, Hunter. Apparently you're afraid of my words. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) Oh. It's like a WWE match. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Is that the Undertaker's music? Wow, that's too bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. It's all kayfabe. It's all kayfabe. All Congress is at this point is a waste of space in kayfabe. It's unbelievable. And again, I'm not ripping on Marjorie Taylor Greene particularly or Nancy Mace particularly. It's the Democrats too. It's everyone. It's everyone. What do you guys do for a living? I'm just wondering. Like at some point, would you do something useful? I know that you like to say things into camera and that's wonderful. I mean, I do it for a living, but you're not supposed to do it for a living. You're an elected official on the public dime. So at a certain point, maybe you could actually, you know, go pass some legislation or hold someone actually accountable. Maybe you could do that. Meanwhile, on the left side of the aisle, you got people like Jared Moskowitz doing the same thing. Uh, Jared Moskowitz combated the Hunter Biden debacle by holding up a photo of Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. This is where we are, guys. This is our Congress. Aren't you proud? The gentle lady from Georgia, uh, I know, is such an advocate for women's rights, as she mentioned, uh, and is so concerned uh, uh, about grooming. And apparently we, we don't have any standards here anymore Again, I just want to remind, remind my colleagues because, you know, I, I don't want them to forget about hypocrisy, okay? I, uh, I don't want them to forget show. about hypocrisy. It's all a clown show. It's a picture but, you know, he's Donald holding Trump up of Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump. And when he was asked, he said, you know, Jeffrey likes him young. Well, how did the president know that? How did he know oh that Jeffrey gosh. Epstein likes him young? Perhaps and there's Rashida Tlaib laughing in the background was there as she thinks about the joys of so Hamas. It's just, everyone, in, everyone in Congress is a clown. Every, it, uh, I've said the word clown so many times that it's basically turned into a circus here, but not remotely the circus that Congress actually is. Now, again, 
All this demonstrates is that we have an irresponsible political class, a deeply irresponsible political cl- class, and a broken congressional system. And again, it is largely broken because the polarization of the parties makes it so no conversation actually takes place between the parties. The end of politics is to eventually get out of politics and then go make money elsewhere. So many members of Congress are getting rich after they leave Congress. Something needs to be done about the political system of the legislature because it is full scale, full stop, a disaster area. That is takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is Hunter Biden's really bad for Joe Biden. When it comes to the 2024 race, Hunter is a nightmare for Joe Biden because the more we're talking about Hunter, you know who we haven't mentioned for quite a while here is Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Hunter went out to the press afterward and the press asked him, Like, why was it that your father was being called in the middle of your business meetings? And here is his really bad answer. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Also, the call went the other way. It was from Hunter Biden to his dad. You know what I don't do during business meetings generally? Call my father. I don't know about you, if you're in the middle of like a big multi-million dollar business meeting, do you just be like, you know, what? let me get my dad on the phone for no reason, just to say hi and see how the weather is. Is like a thing you do regularly? Meanwhile, the Democrats are forced to defend Hunter in order to defend Joe. So James Clyburn, who, of course, is a big Biden backer in 2020, he is now saying that Hunter showing up to Congress shows just what a great father Joe is. This is really the angle they're going to take. It is not going to be awesome, guys. One, would you have advised Hunter Biden to appear at today's hearing? How big of a distraction, a liability is he to the president's reelection bid? Well, I think it is a distraction, but I don't think it's a liability. I think that all this is going to do is demonstrate what a good father Joe Biden is. We all, maybe not all, but I have children and I'm concerned about them and I want to be a good father to them. And I'm not going to let any office I hold get in the way of being a good father. Okay, if that is the final Democratic pitch on Hunter Biden, that is not going to play. That is not going to play. So one of the things, by the way, that has made our presidential elections so important is the fact that Congress is a bleep show. If Congress were not a bleep show, most of policy would be getting done in Congress and the president would be there with the veto pen. And that's how the process was originally supposed to work. That's not the way the That's not the way anything works anymore because Congress has basically devolved into an absolute goat rodeo. It's it's ridiculous. Well, meanwhile, the Republicans in another, I think, semi-useless act, they are trying to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, that's fine. You can get rid of him. I mean, Alejandro Mayorkas is a disgrace to his job. There is no question about that. And he has completely underscored the failure of the Biden administration to actually abide by the law. Getting rid of Mayorkas is not actually going to solve the problem. You have to get rid of Joe Biden in order to solve the problem. You know what may be helpful here is a useful Congress, a useful Congress that passes, you know, border legislation. That might be the thing. Now, can't blame the House for this. Republicans in the House have, in fact, passed H.R. 2, which is quite a good bill. It's Republicans in the Senate who have been a little more wishy-washy on that particular issue. Suffice it to say, one of the things that happened because of the Hunter Biden hearing is that the Mayorkas stuff got blown off the front pages. If one of the purposes of hearings is to put public focus on an issue, you actually do want the public focus more on Mayorkas and the border than you do on Nancy Mace and MTG and AOC and Jared Moskowitz grandstanding about Hunter Biden. Frankly, I think that may be one of the reasons why Hunter Biden showed up yesterday is because politically speaking, if you're a Democrat, you would actually rather have people talking about Hunter Biden than talking about the disaster area at the border. And according to Representative Mark Green, the DHS chief Mayorkas 
has imported 5 million illegal immigrants into the United States. By the way, I think that's an underestimate. I think it's actually higher than that at this point. Because it seems like by the stats that we saw yesterday, just in the last year alone, in, in 2023, 3 million illegal immigrants entered the country at a minimum. So it's probably higher than even that. Representative Mark Green of Tennessee, he points out this is an intentional crisis being driven by the Biden administration. He is correct about this. All of these excuses have long predated Secretary Mayorkas's tenure, and yet we've never experienced a crisis like this. As even the New York Times admits, and I quote, push factors don't explain the entire surge, and maybe not even most of it. There have been no recent wars in Latin America, and the region's poverty rate has been flat, end quote, the New York Times. I'll also note that uh, two of the 16 cities in the world with the highest murder rates are right here in the United States. No, this crisis has been intentional. Secretary Mayorkas was made aware of testimony given by President Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland, where the AG admitted the current policies are being exploited by the cartels. Yet Secretary Mayorkas turns around and implements additional policies to expand the catch and release measures, empowering the cartels and killing Americans. Hey, he is totally right about all of this. Meanwhile, Democrats are like, you can't get rid of Mayorkas. That's our overall policy. You going to fire him for implementing our overall policy? And he's about half right. Everyone who's involved in this overall policy should be fired. Here is Democratic Representative Benny Thompson trying to make the case that you can't get rid of Mayorkas just for putting in place Joe Biden's preferred policy. The truth is, securing the border isn't really the Republicans' top concern. If it was, they'd provide the people with boots on the ground at the border what they need to get the job done. Republicans would rather exploit a challenging policy issue for their own perceived political gain. Republicans disagree with the Biden administration's border and immigration policies. They are angry that this administration won't take babies from their moms or put kids in cages like the last administration. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like the president's policies. I mean, you you can technically do that. Now, the reality is what you should do is actually impeach the president or get rid of the president. Impeaching the president at this point, Democratic Senate ain't going to happen. But the American people do have the ability to get rid of the president in the next general election, and they should absolutely do that. Again, the Democratic policy here is an open border policy. There's just no question about that. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, he he actually says that they do not want to scale back Joe Biden's ability to simply parole illegal immigrants into the general population. I think we are interested as Democrats in providing the administration with tools that will help better manage the border. We are not interested in taking away from the administration tools that they use today to help better manage the border. And so when we talk about this topic of parole, it is very important to understand that it is used today as a way that the administration is able to better manage the flow in a planful way of individuals to the border. And better manage the flow means let everybody in. That's the actual Biden administration policy. But again, all of this got obscured yesterday because of the Hunter Biden shenanigans. That's that's all that happened in reality. And meanwhile, 
The controversy continues to swirl around the Biden administration's failure to fire the defense secretary for going completely AWOL for a week. Elise Stefanik, representative from New York, she says that it's about time for Lloyd Austin to resign. Of course, she is correct. I'm honored to serve as the House Republican Conference Chair. And most importantly, I represent my district every single day. And look at the scandal right now with the Secretary of Defense. I represent thousands of troops from Fort Drum, the 10th Mountain Division, who are deployed in the Middle East right now. It is unacceptable that you have a Secretary of Defense who is not transparent with the White House. So I'm looking forward to being active on that issue to deliver accountability and transparency. And I call for his resignation. So you want him fired? Absolutely. It has an impact on, first of all, adversaries are watching. If you look at the national security challenges around the world today, whether the Middle East on fire, whether you think about China continuing to be on the rise, continuing to watch for American weakness, this asserts American weakness. Now, again, this is now becoming a bipartisan issue, getting rid of Lloyd Austin. The top House Armed Services Democrat, Representative Adam Smith of Washington, he says Biden should think about firing Lloyd Austin. We know what happened. I don't know that there's much of an inquiry or much digging that needs to be done. We just need Secretary Austin to answer the question, why did he think that it was appropriate for him not to tell the president that all of this was going on? Um, I think we do need to hear an answer from that. And I think the president needs to evaluate his relationship with the Secretary of Defense based on what happened and based on that answer. Does that mean that you think that he should potentially consider firing him? They got to have that conversation. I don't know. Like I said, at the moment, I can't think of a plausible explanation. That, of course, again, is a Democrat. So that Joe Biden's, his administration is chaos. The more focus on that and the less focus on the chaos on the other side of the aisle, the better for the Republicans. Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to sow chaos in the Middle East with its uncertainty and unwillingness to actually just say the thing. And the thing is, Hamas must be destroyed. The Houthis must be stopped. Iran is the actual sponsoring power here. Doesn't mean you have to go to war directly with Iran. But certainly, the United States and its allies have the capacity to cut the arms off the octopus that is the Iranian terror network. But sadly, the U.S. and its allies are still trying to figure out exactly how to stop the Houthis. Again, this notion that the West has no ability to stop a ragtag group of pirates in the Red Sea is totally insane, totally crazy. And yet that is precisely what the Biden administration continues to push. It is unclear to them exactly how to stop the Houthis, they say. I mean, I'm confused. Can't you just kill a bunch of them? You know, they, they do have these bases that exist right on the coast that they are using in order to launch their inflatables and their drones at ships. Couldn't they, you know, actually just kill a bunch of the Houthis? What, what, explain to me the problem. And yet, according to the New York Times, the United States and Italians are weighing how to stop attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea. After American and British officials said Wednesday, their navies had intercepted one of the largest barrages yet of drones and missiles fired from an area controlled by the Houthis, an Iranian-backed group in Yemen. The attacks, which the Houthis say will go on until Israel ends its campaign against Hamas in the Gaza Strip, are threatening maritime traffic in one of the world's most crucial shipping lanes. Anthony Blinken said, what I can tell you is, as we made clear, many other countries made clear there'll be consequences for the Houthis' actions. Okay, well, you know, at some point, you might want to actually materialize those consequences. Otherwise, it sounds like you are a weakling and the shipping costs are piling up. According to the Wall Street Journal, Western importers are reporting a steep rise in ocean shipping rates and weeks-long delays as carriers divert ships from the Red Sea to avoid Houthi rebel attacks. Some companies shipping goods on the crucial trade lane are starting to chafe at the rising prices and extra fees ocean carriers are imposing for the higher cost of routing container ships on longer voyages all the way around the Horn of Africa. Average worldwide cost to ship 40-foot-long containers have nearly doubled since late November. 
That is the fault of the Biden administration, which again continues to send mixed signals in what is the most morally clear conflict in modern history. I'm sorry, when a, when a genocidal terrorist group crosses the border of another country, murders 1,200 of its citizens, takes another 240 hostages, there's still 100 hostages there, and then the power it provoked goes in and wrecks them while attempting to maintain civilian life, by the way, at a rate that the enemy certainly would not. Not only would they not, they're literally hiding in civilian areas. This is a particularly clear case of the West should be unified in support of Israel getting rid of Hamas. And if they're ancillary terror groups that are threatening Israel or threatening shipping, which, by the way, forget about what you think about Israel. Threatening shipping actually has an impact on your daily life and my daily life. If you can't stand up again, like what exact, at what point would you stand up precisely? But the wild left continues to run this administration or at least have heavy impact on this administration. Now, what's amazing about all of this is that Hamas just keeps saying the, the quiet part out loud. So yesterday, for example, Hamas's leader, Ismail Haniya, he's the political leader of Hamas, operating out of Qatar. I, I guess he, he may, may be in Turkey at this point. They keep moving him around because he's afraid that he's going to get killed by the Israelis. Yesterday, he literally said that when you give money to Gaza, it's going to fund Hamas. And meanwhile, the Americans are like, maybe we should give more money to Gaza. Genius level stuff here. He says the second issue is the call to donate money. Dear brothers and sisters, let us call this financial jihad. The Islamic nation does not make donations. This is not just a humanitarian issue. Despite its immense importance and Gaza's need for any aid it can get, this is financial jihad. We should resources in. We should revive this principle of Islamic jurisprudence in our Islamic nation. The notion of waging jihad with one's life and one's money. So he's calling for foreign aid to the Gaza Strip so it can be stolen by Hamas and used. And meanwhile, the West is like, maybe we should send them more foreign aid. Thankfully, the West is filled with moron left-wingers. The, the best tape of the moron left-wingers yesterday, standing for Hamas, comes from San Francisco. So San Francisco City Council voted for a ceasefire. Well, uh, um, amazing news. I'm sure that Israel's government voted for San Francisco to stop being a homeless-ridden, feces-ridden hole. Like that, that may, did it have any impact on the governance of, uh, of San Francisco? No, obviously. So here are a bunch of people who would be murdered immediately by Hamas if Hamas came into contact with them, cheering as they call for a ceasefire in San Francisco. By the way, the same city council hearing saw a person who had five relatives murdered on October 7th testify, and people were making oinking noises in the background as he testified. So these people are just alive. By the way, they're still wearing masks. The year is 2024, I noticed on the calendar. Here we go. Every single one of these people would be dead in Gaza. Every one of them. It's an amazing thing. Why are all their haircuts bad? Asked producer Savvy. And the answer is because they're crazy people. That's why. And the Biden administration continues to cater to the crazy people. By the way, so does Harvard. Breaking news from Cassie Dillon over at Daily Wire. Harvard is hosting a summer program at a Palestinian university dominated by Hamas. According to Cassie, Harvard University will host a summer program where students will be briefed on settler colonialism at a Palestinian university that called for glory to the martyrs after the October 7th terrorist massacre. The embattled Ivy League institution's Palestine social medicine course will send Harvard students to Berzit University in the West Bank, according to the program's website. It explains the three-week intensive summer course is designed to introduce students to the social, structural, political, and historical aspects that determine Palestinian health beyond the biological basis of disease. 
The curriculum content will include hearing from health practitioners, academics, and activists about various topics, including settler colonialism and its manifestations in Palestine. A spokeswoman for Harvard defended the program, saying that Beers 8 is a public institution governed by an autonomous board of trustees with no political, religious, or sectarian affiliation. Well, um, the student population literally voted for a Hamas-affiliated block in the student government. So basically, this place is run by Hamas, and Harvard is still affiliated because these radical universities are in fact still affiliated with the, with the far-left ideology. And the Biden administration wants to win their votes, and so they continue to cater to them. Meanwhile, over at The Hague, at the International Court of Justice, which is just a, a waste of space and a waste of time, it's like the United Nations on steroids, the ICJ. South Africa is trying to prosecute Israel for genocide. While Israel is attacked by a genocidal group, literally targeting Jews for murder, and while 100 hostages are being held, in terror, or maybe they're already dead, in Gaza. South Africa, a country famous for its uh, racial tolerance, is now suggesting that Israel ought to be persecuted or prosecuted for genocide. By the way, like four days ago, four days ago, the leader of the Sudanese rebel group, the Rapid Support Force, is a person named Mohammed Hamdan Hamedati Dagalo, met President Cyril Ramphosa in Pretoria. Who exactly is uh, Hamedati? Hamedati is a person who recently led a, an incredible massacre in Sudan. I mean, that, that, by the way, is according to Reuters. The burials at Al-Khabat Cemetery continued for more than seven weeks, from late April until mid-June in Sudan, turning a rectangular plot into a sprawling mass grave for at least 1,000 residents of a Sudanese city in West Darfur. The carnage was the result of more than 50 days of attacks on the city's majority ethnic African tribe by Sudan's rapid support forces. So South Africa says Israel's engaged in a genocide while they defend themselves. Meanwhile, literally hosting genocidal murderers in South Africa, because that's how international law works. And, and the Biden administration is still incredibly trying to cater to the bad guys. This presumably is why Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was meeting with Mahmoud Abbas, an actual Holocaust denier and the head of the Palestinian Authority. Hilarious. I mean, it is, it is amazing that the Biden administration is continuing to try to prop up Mahmoud Abbas as a solution in, in the Gaza Strip. He's not even a solution in the West Bank. Mahmoud Abbas does not run the West Bank. The West Bank is in a state of turmoil because the Palestinian Authority is deeply unpopular. Hamas is way more popular in the West Bank than Abbas. Abbas does not have the authority to even keep a lid on things in the West Bank, which is why you are seeing Israeli operations in the West Bank on a continuous basis against members and affiliates of Hamas. But the United States, being completely delusional under Joe Biden, has decided that Mahmoud Abbas is somehow the magic solution, the magic bullet with regard to the Gaza Strip. And the United States is saying that the only path forward for the Gaza Strip is if Israel creates a Palestinian state. Under whose auspices? So let me just get this logic. Israel withdraws from a piece of territory in 2005. They hand it over to the Palestinians. The Palestinians promptly wreck every piece of Jewish infrastructure. They promptly elect Hamas, an actual genocidal terrorist group, as their leaders. That terrorist group spends the next 20 years building up a massive stockpile of weaponry, rockets, building enormous terror tunnels. They launched the single deadliest attack on Jews since World War II. And the administration's response is that Israel should create a Palestinian state. So the last time they tried this was 2005, and it ended really, really poorly. The solution is not Mahmoud Abbas. And this is all delusional garbage. It's all delusional garbage because this administration does not actually have a clear picture of how the Middle East works. By the way, at this point, I just want to shout out to John Fetterman. John Fetterman is having like a reverse Bullworth, as my friend John Podhoritz has said. It's an amazing thing. Here is John Fetterman yesterday speaking, and he was asked about the ICJ in South Africa 
prosecuting Israel at The Hague. And here he was going off. I mean, I don't know what happened to John Fetterman, but it's it's like incredible. Who are we? Who are they really fighting? It's a group of cowards. They hide in tunnels. They hide behind civilians. They attack, kill and mutilate children, women. And they do that. Stop talking about proportion on that. They shot their best shot on October 7th. And they would have taken more lives if they couldn't do that, but they couldn't do it. And now let's also talk about that. Now we're talking about genocide. And now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a, a trial. Maybe South Africa being able to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. <laughs> Absolutely correct by John Fetterman. Again, words that have been spoken a lot lately, and I'm not even sure what is going on with it. It's pretty amazing. All righty, folks, the rest of the show is continuing right now. We're going to get to California, which apparently is thinking about a wealth tax now. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 